Hey gang, welcome to episode 54 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the entertainment capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And today the show is all about Los Angeles, because we're going to be talking with Chris Eng, who is the founder of Mojo Maps Expedition Company. We'll tell you about that in a moment, but first... This episode is brought to you by those friends of ours at Drafty. Uh, Our good friends at Drafty have been supporting the podcast and the newsletters all month long. Uh, What is Drafty? Well, let me tell you, Drafty is a computer-aided design app built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported at prices that strike fear into the hearts of the big CAD programs. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. Are we rolling? Okay, we we are good again. Okay. But you don't want to hear about process. You want some news and notes. Let's travel around the country. Let's start up in San Francisco, which had a new issue this week. Fantastic, chock full of stuff because Albert does such a good job with the San Francisco issue. I know, watching the numbers, he's doing really good. Um, I'm really into process right now. Sorry about that. Uh, Opera at the station stood out to me. West Edge Opera is performing three different shows this summer at the old train station in West Oakland. They've done work in there before. It's sort of one of their premier venues for site-specific work. You should uh, give it a go. Check it out. I would love to be able to check out their shows at some point when I'm going to be up north. Uh, The schedule hasn't worked out quite that way yet. You also, in the Bay Area, want to pay attention because those speakeasy tickets are kind of like popping up and then disappearing again as they get ready for the preview run before the full opening happens. And if all holds together the way I think it is, we will be doing an episode about the Speakeasy San Francisco next week. Let's hop a shuttle to O'Hare, which means we're going to Chicago, also an issue out this week. Uh, More tickets to Learning Curve, which is the project that uh, Third Rail Projects is doing with uh, one of the the arts groups out in Chicago that works with teens set in a school. Uh, They had uh, initial run tickets got sold out, and now they're putting some more on sale July 6th at 10 a.m., They're going to go quick, so you might want to jump in there. Check out the Chicago issue for more information. Let's slide on down back across the country. That was really inefficient. Also, that that feels like work travel. I took us to San Francisco, then I took us to Chicago. Now I'm bringing us back to L.A. That's some mileage there, though. Uh, Let's be honest. Uh, Let's see what these points can buy us. They can buy us a lot here in Los Angeles. The Speakeasy Society's Johnny the Shell is coming This month, it is July now, uh, tickets are already on sale. It starts July 21st. Capital W, the people who made Hamlet Mobile and who made And the Drum, they've got a new project coming and they are auditioning people for it, okay? It's called The Couple Project. Here's the pitch. Three diverse couples are on an evening out in three different neighborhoods in Los Angeles. It's immersive and site-specific and it follows the general arc of a double date, all right? Uh, They're looking for actors to pair up to play these couples 
and you need to be able to improvise and everybody is up for consideration. Okay. So the show is going to rehearse this month. That's July, 2016. And in August, it's going to open September. It runs through October and there is a possible extension, right? This is a project they've been in the planning stages for a while. And if it's anything like the last two pieces and you are a performer, you might want to get involved with this. If you want more information, holler at us at no proscenium, no underscore proscenium at outlook.com, and I will get you hooked up with Monica Miklas, who is the producer in charge of organizing this. July 10th is when they want to hear by. So if you're hearing this before July 10th and you're an actor and you're in LA and you want to get involved in immersive and you want to work with one of the best immersive companies in town, you're going to write us. Or you can holler at us via Twitter and everything. Um, I just don't want to like read Monica's email out over the newsletter, uh, over the podcast. And you, you'd probably like have to listen back and whatnot. And then you have to hear my voice over and over again. You hate that. So let's not do that. Just message us through whatever means you feel comfortable. And I'll get that information to you within a day. That's a, I can hold that promise. Okay. Um, speaking of days, the day shall declare it uh, extended through July 24th. It's the little engine that it could, and it keeps on going. Finally, here in Los Angeles, I want to make kind of a pre-announcement. Yeah, sure. Let's call it a pre-announcement. So Play Collaborative Arts, which is the space down in the Arts District, who they've been on the show. They did erotica. Uh, they, they've done other immersive works. They do, they do performance art and healing arts, and they, they threw a lot of underground parties. Anyway, uh, they did get they got shut down by Vice. Uh, some number of months ago and they've been working this entire year on figuring out how to go legit and the answer is it's going to cost a lot of money so i've been helping them full disclosure i've been helping them put together an indiegogo campaign if you want to talk to me about why we chose indiegogo and whatnot that that's for a different podcast uh we've been put together an indiegogo campaign that will be launching this month we've got a big big raise that we're aiming for uh it's gonna i, I not going to announce it quite yet because there's been a little fluctuation in terms of what exactly the number is, but it's it's going to be in the tens of thousands of dollars because as it turns out, it is really freaking expensive to take a DIY performance venue and turn it into a legitimate permitted performance venue here in Los Angeles. And we have been losing performance venues uh, and the arts district is soon to become the historic arts district if you catch my drift. And this project will keep an anchor in place for weirdo arts that we love right there, like a three-minute walk from Stumptown, across the street from the American Tea Room, literally sharing a lot border with the new Soho house. So this is a great project to rally around. More information very, very soon from yours truly, and expect to hear a lot about it until we get it done. All right, that is the news and the notes. Let's set up this episode with Chris Ang of Mojo Maps. Um, Mojo Maps is, we can think of it a bit as a cousin to things like Accomplice. It's a little bit more on the walking tour side. Uh, my experience of it was a bit like we took a walking tour and uh, the fun parts of an improv class and smashed them together and made this this little exploration alternate reality experience in Venice, which is the one that I got to do about a month and a half ago. And then I had Chris over here to our luxurious studios. 
which we, which we all know is my living room. Uh, and we had a really good conversation. Chris is a, a great guy. Uh, Mojo maps are fun and scrappy. And um, they're, they're, if you want to know some more about like the given neighborhood they're working in, or if you've got some friends in from out of town and they've got the adventurous spirit and they like to like goof around, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a fun afternoon. Uh, simple as that. Um, but we had a we had a really nifty conversation because Chris Chris comes at this from an interesting angle. I don't want to spoil anything. You're going to enjoy this episode. I enjoyed recording it, and generally, uh, usually enjoy listening to the ones that I enjoyed recording. One day I'll tell you about the ones I didn't enjoy recording. One day, I promise you. I'm not going to keep that promise. Sorry, I'm a liar. I'm a terrible liar. But not about this one. This one was fun. All right, you'll hear me in a second, but then I'll, I'll talk to you directly uh, after this. We've stumbled into this thing. Chris, thanks for coming down to the informal studios. It's awesome. like a running gag. <laughs> um, tell us, there'll be, there's the cold open on the show, but uh, tell, us about, uh, tell us about Mojo Maps Expedition Company. Give me the, give me the elevator pitch. Sure. Uh, so Mojo Maps Expedition Company is a walking tour meets an interactive show. And uh, just as a visual, I think a good one might be a walking tour, a historical walking tour through Disneyland. Mm. So very much what we're trying to bring to life is just the, the story of it and so that you can actually walk, touch, and see it. Um, and using your imagination, you can activate the past, the present, the future, um, and it's just meant to be really playful. Now what got you, I've got going to have a lot of questions, but like what, one, which ones are running right now? Because I know you've had a couple of iterations uh, that you've worked on. So it's June of 2016. This will probably go up either late June or maybe at the worst early July. Um, what's what's playing currently? Yeah. So we started with uh, the Arts District and we found out um, we've been running it sort of using like startup methodology, which is like, let's let's come up with a hypothesis. Let's throw it out there, see what works and then what doesn't work. And then let's just continue to build on what's working, obviously. So um, we started with the Arts District, and it had a ton of really fun activities that uh, really fueled the whole adventure. And then we brought it to Venice, and we put the Arts District on the shelf for a moment just so we could focus on Venice. And we found incredible stories to tell. Um, So we are actually just running that right now all the way through August. Um, And what we're trying to do is refine basically our formula, Mm. our, our recipe for what do we want out of this, and are people reacting and getting what we want them to get out of this uh and when we answer that question then i think it becomes okay we we've dialed in on uh what this is about and it's bulletproof and we want to then tell stories that way in other locations now when you were developing this uh and and, and the idea in the first place um did you think about things or did you experience stuff like accomplice was that part of your your research time um, I would say, you know, I feel a little bit like an outsider uh, to, I think, if to the landscape, especially okay. compared to someone like yourself who's so dialed in, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> I would say my research. Everyone knows I don't take I don't take praise at all. Like, no, dialed in. Oh. What I don't know could fill several encyclopedias. I'm well okay. aware. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just trying to take myself <laughs> off the hook with... No, with, uh, yeah. no but none of us... None, yeah. The other thing is none of us really know what's going on, right? Yeah. But, it, and, it, and, like, I didn't even... I didn't check out Accomplice, even though Accomplice has been around for years. I didn't yeah. get a chance to do it because yeah. it hasn't happened in Hollywood in, like, 
three or four years or something like that. Um, someone's going to correct me. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, until I went to New York, where it's still been running, yeah. um, and and it's been running kind of like nonstop or whatnot in New York. But but sorry, I'm interrupting you. Uh, yeah, my my yeah. best my best um, reference probably in this world would be Sleep No More. Okay. Um, but my research and development phase in this really consisted of some disparate unconnected communities and the first was magic Mm. um and you know i stopped doing magic back when i was i don't know pre-high school uh and um and my mom was like you live near the magic castle why don't you uh did you know that she was really excited about neil patrick harris about or something or ryan gosling she's like they have classes and i was like that's cool let's and then she gave it gave me a class for um my birthday so I, I ended up getting into magic and I was like, wow, this is so incredible that it's something that you can generate that you can you can um, provide entertainment on a one to one person basis. Mm. Um, and then the other point of reference, I would say, is improv. Right. Um, Which is really yeah. strong in the show. Like, <laughs> yeah. In, in two ways. But the performers are, are Im- improvising through and there's some set pieces that they do. But also a lot of a lot of what happens in the course of the show, because I, I did it last weekend god time it feels so strange um there's i caught a few like there's a few games i i've I've done in improv classes over the years like baked into the show but but in but in really smart deployments and clever ways like the way you bring everybody together in the first place is like a classic like let's get everyone to like know each other's names that hook yeah which is like super fun but i was definitely grinning i was like oh we're doing some improv games okay yeah but so improv improv yeah so i would and uh i mean there's probably like a whole hodgepodge of inspiration but i would say that those two are very um top of mind for us um and for me and and sort of just trying to invoke the human imagination Uh, yeah so what what was the spark that set you off in this direction because what i find interesting is like um those who know the lore about accomplice at least for the accomplice Hollywood, was that at one point Neil, who who really loves all this stuff, um, he's doing an immersive show. He's got Randy Weiner producing one about magic in New York right now. Um, he's like, you know, loves Sleep No More. I think he's like talked about Then She Fell from Memory Serves. I can't remember entirely. Holy brain. But he was producing. Um, accomplice for a minute so that tie between people who are into magic who are into the one-on-one uh, there's this intimacy of of performance and that's such a thing that the magic castle is definitely about out you know outside of the main showrooms but even like it's always like small like in the basement like it's still it's still it's super intimate but then all the close-up stuff like you walk out and there will be just people working their trade around you at any point but what was what was the spark? What made you say like let's go out into the world and tell stories? Yeah. In space. Yeah. Um, my storytelling inspiration definitely comes from me being a former Disney Imagineer, um, and what I my the biggest thing that I got from being an Imagineer was how they were able to tell the universal through something specific. Mm. Like they're they have a ride called Soren. And you'll go on it and you'll see coming out of it a grandmother who's like 60 years old and like a six-year-old have the exact same grin on their face. Mm. Um, and it's, it, there's just something super universal about great storytelling. 
Um, and when I was working there, I think the spark was these stories are all around us. Um, great stories don't need to be stuck in a theme park. Um, and the, and there's just inspiration everywhere. Yeah. So um, what makes a city so great is, um, you know, San Francisco versus Los Angeles. I was just in San Francisco last week and everything is just so vibrant. Like the culture is just so the contrast of how that is versus Los Angeles is just screaming at me. Mm. And it just it re- reminds me of how excited I am to tell the stories of why LA is different. Like if you look at Los Angeles historically, it's this place where the manifest destiny like journey kind of ended. Mm-hmm. And so like you have um, a legacy of, um, of a culture that's all about folks wanting to pursue their dream. Yeah. Um, I actually am from Boston. And so what's there very much so, even though it's like uh, decades and hundreds of years later, you have this culture there that's very sort of like rebellious in a way. Yeah. Um, and the culture here is, is very much like it's possible. Yeah. If you can feel it, there's this buzz of like it's possible, yeah. it's, it's worth trying to do. There's a city, it's a city of seekers. Uh, one of my friends refers to it as like it's America's holy city. And, and some of the stuff you find if you start falling in love with LA is there's this, there's this tradition. Uh, it's not just about people seeking to be stars, but there's this spiritual tradition, this religious tradition. There's in Los, Los Feliz, of course, we've got the Philosophical Research Society which was found by this guy, this this autodidact named Manly P. Hall, who, you know, he, he what was it? One of his books is called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And so he, like, he just did this massive volume, like, researching all of, like, the mystery cults and all the mystery religions yeah. and, and all that sort of, that sort of tradition. But, like, you know, he's, he's a self, he, like I said, he's an autodidact. He's, like, a self-trained scholar. And so you crack open to that book and you're like, whoa on one level it's like amazing on another level it's like wow no one no one taught this guy like how to formally write and that was happening in like oh golly you know early part of the 20th century you've got people like um, hold on <coughs> sorry still still got that cough guys um when i'm recording this i'm totally healthy by the time you're listening to this, <laughs> i swear i don't have the plague Mm-mm. it's probably gonna come out after i die um <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give Zay the password. Um, the um, You've got things like Sister Amy McPherson over in Echo Park and the Angelus Temple and just like the, the way that congregation came up and this whole theatrical tradition there. And then all these other things like like the bad side. You've got like the Manson family and then like you and and you've got the the evangelical tradition of and like the the people who who started the prosperity gospel that started in Beverly Hills shock of all shocks but yeah that 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 seeking quality really is here and what's so strange is that it does seem to be buried under this fine sediment layer right mm. like the fun thing about the Venice piece is if you really don't know the history of Venice you you learn so much about what that place was how it came to be and how bloody different it is from what it is right now Mm. like it was an entirely different world and a lot of the coast on the west coast was and speaking of san francisco like um the sutro baths which are just ruins now like that whole area was a place not too dissimilar from venice like Mm -hmm. there was boardwalks and there were giant bathhouses and you see the old-timey pictures and you're like there was an entirely different culture here a hundred years ago yeah um, and people talk about these places having no history, right? And yet, it really is there, right? And 
if you go to Boston and you look at, you know, you're standing at this corner and it seems like a random corner, but you look up and you can see the the history everywhere. And when you go to Venice Beach, it's like you see a guy playing a guitar with rollerblades. So it's really tough to access that kind of history. Mm. Um, but I think we kind of take advantage of that in our show called Venice Land or a tour called Venice Land um, because there's just this mystery of like, why the heck is it called Venice yeah. in the first place? And so very few people, especially people coming from out of town and even a ton of locals never really understand or have access or there's it's just not accessible in los angeles i would say at largest like that in a lot of ways like a lot of people can't they don't see echo park as like the first suburb of los angeles it's just not intuitive it's not you can't see it master planned out that way when you look yeah. at the city um our challenge or, or i guess the goal of venice land is to actually say um not for you to know more knowledge because i think the big thing for us is not to tell you the history as a fact, because you can do that on your own with a book, but it's really to have you feel something yeah. and to have you feel the spirit of Venice. And so Venice, from its very origin, is this creative place, a place where people were willing to take a bet on themselves, even when society didn't agree with it, with the Dogtown skateboarders, with Abby Kinney, the founder of Venice. Everyone, there was just not agreement with society and them. And so it was a pure act of creativity that they were willing to bet on themselves and try something different. Yeah. And so that's, we're trying to have you experience that, yeah. that emotion. It's, it's so funny that like now Venice is such a, it, it attracted creative people, you know, Dennis Hopper, Fiona Apple uh, are, are kind of like, well, Dennis Hopper was there for a very long time. He's dead now, but like you know, Fiona Apple is like one of the more recent transplant. And, and yet, it's sort of finally like the hip neighborhood, like Abbott Kinney, it, it like is like synonymous with as hip as Silver Lake, if not more so. It's the West Side's Silver Lake, yeah. and yet that that history of it is like you know go back fifteen years. It was a dangerous place, you know. Yeah. Like it was neglected, it was ignored, um, and yet now <clears throat> you know the canal properties are like whoa. You want to talk about real estate? Mm -hmm. Holy moly, you know, like it doesn't doesn't get pricier than that, except maybe in up here in the hills in this neighborhood, um, and yet that that um, that hidden history is is it is invisible because because yeah, like the buildings, even the buildings there on the the canal, like some of those houses are being renovated and totally changed. It feels very very modern, and they'll be right next to some little bungalow thing, and so you'll get these weird juxtapositions of like the eras right. and, and it's be, it's being converted into something that it was not right. and this idea of like a, an act of living archaeology to sort of manifest the place which is kind of perfect in a way because you don't see that as much in San Francisco and definitely not in Boston yeah and Boston is a very conservative place um, my mom's neighborhood has like this crazy new house, this modern house, and everyone's like, boo. <laughs> and but like the, the canals are full of that. And it really is perfect because um, Venice still represents this sanctuary for a place that celebrates something different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a guy wearing rollerblades and playing guitar with a turban. Um, and then there's also um, crazy, you know, beach guys and next to Snapchat next to um, medical marijuana places but it's it it's 
sort of the spirit that still resonates through all of that and penetrates through all of that. Yeah. Which is really perfect. Yeah. Um, especially for Los Angeles culture. How'd you end up at, uh, at Imagineering? <laughs> In the funniest way. Um, I went to school uh, to study entrepreneurship and, um, and I ended up falling into this track of um, studying st- strategy. Mm. And particularly uh, corporate strategy was something that I was like, I'd love to understand why we build what we build, especially for theme parks. Mm. Um, how do we do it? Why do we do it? Why is it so magical? And so my into Imagineering started with um, corporate M&A work. Um, my, the biggest deal we were working on was buying Star Wars. Oh, wow. And so I was the guy um, sitting there with our CFO kind of saying, is this something that we should do? Um, what's the value proposition to Disney? What, so what else funny. could we do with it? I know the people on, um, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it later. So I was, about, I was about to say something. I was like, oh, that is a massive humble, humble brag. Save that. We'll talk afterwards. Okay, uh, cool. Keep going, though. <laughs> um, and, and so um, from that very high level, like, thinking um, of, like, what does Disney want to be? Um, the next role that I wanted to kind of uh, transition to was what does Disneyland want to be? Mm. Um, what does um, Disneyland Paris or Hong Kong or Tokyo want to be? And so the role that I was that I had at Imagineering was looking at what the theme parks and their resort districts um, wanted to be in the next ten to twenty years. Oh, wow. So it was a master planning role. Yeah. And now, and now you're now you're back into the entrepreneurial game, and you're you're turning that eye towards towards the city. So is that is that something that you that same sort of thinking you take to these different areas in terms of Los Angeles? Like, are you thinking like, what does Los Angeles want to be when you do this, or are you worried more about the nuts and bolts of like, what does the show want to be, what does the tour want to be? Um, I think it's not turned towards what LA wants to be, but rather. What is a meaningful way to to have fun together? Mm. Um, and so, like for me, I mean, kind of going back to your initial question of like, what was the spark? I think the spark was really believing in the power of storytelling, and saying that at theme parks, at Disney theme parks, what they do is to me badass. And um, but at the same time, to really honor the power of storytelling, it needs to be evolved. Like story, there's we can do one better. We right. can bring storytelling out out into our environments and, and all around us and have it interactive and have it be immersive. And, um, and I wanted to explore that. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's something really interesting because like in casual conversations, I'll, I'll be talking about, about the theme parks. I was an annual pass holder for a while. I've let that lapse for various reasons. Um, it'll happen again at some point. I know it will. It's inevitable. I was mm-hmm. born down here. It's just our birthright. Um, but Dean, who is our, uh, hey Dean, uh, he's our Chicago guy. He runs, um, eyesight, uh, and his entree into, uh, immersive theater really came from being really interested in theme parks, right? Mm. So like, it's almost like reverse engineering back in. And I know that there's a number of Imagineers who like, you know, who are still active who are like working on Shanghai who like listen to the show and mm. like one of them, hey Jeff is, uh. He's always like, oh, thanks. Like, this keeps me tied, you know, back to what's going back home while I'm while I'm here. Um, but there's there's this idea of like, well, this there's only so many people we can pack into Disneyland at a time, which is why they keep 
bouncing up the annual pass holder price. Mm-hmm. See, Peters and I were talking about this last last time, so or a couple days ago. So people have heard this one before. But this idea of like, can we start bringing those exp- that kind of experience out into the rest of the world? Like, how do we, in a world where our entertainment is increasingly digital and virtual, um, how can we reseed it back into being? Um, flesh and blood and all around us and got that feeling of magical and got that intimacy um, that goes even beyond what you get in like a small theater that goes beyond what you get say in the basement of the magic castle when you're you know watching a mentalist and you're totally into the show but like there's it's totally different from say like I don't know having someone put a blindfold on you and a pair of headphones and then you walk through a room and then you sit down they sit you down on a toilet seat and then they at a certain point through the headphones tell you like okay go ahead and like unblindfold yourself and you know then you got like a, a, a an actor playing a dead body in front of you and you're like whoa what's mm-hmm. going on you know things of that nature which may or may not be a show that I saw recently <laughs> um, that kind of re-enchanting re-taking over um conventional mundane space making the world feel numinous right like there's something about when you're a little kid and you go to Disneyland for the first time and the world is magical and on fire and then for those of us who hold on a little bit of that spark we go to something like Sleep No More we go to something like Then She Fell and we come out and and what's fun is like you walk out of it and the world is still on fire Mm. because you're old enough now to to hold two ideas in your head at the same time. One, I'm walking around a warehouse in Chelsea and there's some actors here and they've like done up a set. Two, I'm in this fictional space. And the only thing that's different between the fictional space inside the space and the, and the, the real world outside the space is that I paid a bunch of money and maybe I'm wearing a mask. But when you walk back out into the world, you start thinking like, oh, like how we could get this out here. The world itself is like filled with little secrets and whatnot. Um, I think the most powerful thing about entertainment is what you take with you from it. Yeah. How inspired you are. And um, what's really interesting to me to explore with entertainment is once you are emotionally engaged, how does that affect your life? Mm. What type of different paths do you take after after the film or after you've seen a piece of artwork? What is that? What is that? divergence of your path that you were going on before the movie or before the piece of artwork and then afterwards yeah and for me it's almost like this sense of personal transformation of growing bigger of understanding yourself better um and that's such a big part of the hero's journey yeah um that the notion that uh if you if you put yourself through this set of circumstances that something you can grow bigger and you can become uh, a bit a better version of yourself and, and I think that at the core, that's um, a really important commitment to us, that uh, that we're empowering people through our, our entertainment. I like that, I like that, that nod to Campbell. And, and what's interesting is, like, if, if memory serving, it's like it older, it gets weaker, like, the, there's part of the meaning of entertain is just, like, hold within, right? Like, we're going to, like, we're going to hold your attention, and that's the point of entertainment. Like, it's distraction. But, like, when the entertainment elevates itself up to like the level of art it changes you there's an alchemical process you can't take a wide-eyed four-year-old dump them into star wars and not get like a mystic weirdo freak out of it it's just <laughs> it's gonna happen right like says the guy wearing the star wars shirt yeah well, no no shame here um the um 
the the thing I often find is, you know, the the corporate impulse tends to be, well, yeah, how can we just extract some value from the customers? How can we keep them entertained for a while and then like let them go on their way? But the stuff that makes passionate fans, the stuff that creates uh, an audience out of thin air who keep coming back. And I know you want to talk about audience a bit uh, today, so uh, let's like this is an entree to it. Is is that exact kind of process? It's like how do you create not just a distraction, but uh, an alchemical sort of you know mystic, if you will, uh, journey for people that lets them unlock something in themselves they didn't know was there. Right. Um, how do you create a space for people to explore that, to move themselves out of their comfort zone, and indeed go back to their regular lives mm-hmm. and hopefully. You know they've changed, but when you change, you also see the world differently. And I think right. that's really like that shifting in perspective. Like an adventure is something that your perspective has changed when you're done with it, and right. that's the big reward that comes right. out of it. Right? right. It's it's incredibly satisfying to just being a human being to have that shift. And the world doesn't change at all. You know, you go back to the same world that you mm. were before that piece of artwork, oh, yeah. and yet the only thing that's really evolved is your own perspective yeah yeah you see like the world feels like it changed because you see it differently right but it really is it's you that changed right yeah and i would say going back to like differentiating between or like looking at the the functionality of entertainment or what's the difference between entertainment and artwork for me it's the way we look at it is effective entertainment allows or effective theater just allows you to see yourself better it allows Mm -hmm. you to suspend your disbelief so that you're not focused on anything else but being present Mm. to the story at that moment and it actually allows you to open up the resistance that you have to kind of understand to shifting your perspective yeah like we have our perspective going into a, a, a piece of art is a certain way and to open that up and to open your mind and open your heart there needs to be this suspension of disbelief um, and great entertainment does that because the characters are relatable, because the destinations that they go to are aspirational, and we just hold on for a second and we and we open our minds to it. I mentioned that that before, you know we were talking a little bit after the show, and you mentioned that you wanted to like um, talk about like the audience and like how the, what the audience for this stuff is, so and and how it's developing. So I'm just kind of curious. I mean, yeah. part of this. Part of this is always a conversation, and so um, I'm, I'm curious as to what your questions are about that. And like, I might have some insight. I'll probably like double it back on you and try and like dig out here because I, I do feel this is like an area that we're all trying to we're all trying to figure this out. Like, mm. who is this for, and who's coming to it, and how big? Not just how big can it get in the sense of like how popular can it get, but like definitely like sustainability. Like, you know, how can people make sustainable careers in this space so yeah what, what is yeah what that's is a great question um thank you for bringing it up um i think you know we have a couple of going back to like the whole startup thing and um starting with a hypothesis and then trying to validate the hypothesis our hypothesis really is around can we evolve um entertainment so that it's not a passive experience and you know since the dawn of mankind we've been trained to think of entertainment as something that's passive and you just consume and so we're saying is it time yet is there enough um groundswell for people to say it's not enough 
and I and there's something more meaningful when I can interact with with the storyline and and I can take something away from me. And we're our hypothesis is that we have millennials that sort of had that sensibility. We have and of all people, it's like millennials that you know are interested or curious about improv mm. or curious about trying things that kind of scare them because they know that on the other side of that is um, everything. Yeah. And so my question first is, uh, and this is probably, I, I, the way to answer this is just me getting out of my house more, is <laughs> 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 to go and, uh, and interact with the community and to, and to really get to know folks much more and go to more shows. And, um, but yeah, maybe you can give me a sense of like who you see in the audience. Okay, well, I think I think you're you're. So the first thing I think of is that, and the big thing that gets talked a lot a lot in the community is, and you'll see this over, even over at Sleep No More, and I'm sure you've seen Felix talk about this, where so much of the influence is from video games, right? And like there, they there was even like an MIT experiment where they, in Sleep No More, they like equipped one of the masks with like a, a like a, a subdermal or something like you know earpiece so that they could like talk to the person and they were like someone was in a in a room somewhere in Brooklyn typing out commands as if it was an old mush and guiding someone around the McKittrick that way mm-hmm. like and it was through the mask they were transmitting you know now turn wow. left turn right go here because they were tracking them through right so literally an old text-based adventure game type thing was grafted on to sleep no more with the interface being like, you know, that, that little arrow on their person's screen was a real human being walking around a building, right? If, wow. if I'm recalling this correctly, um, I didn't see images. I only read a New York Times article <clears throat> or a New York Times Magazine article. But that whole idea of a sandbox video game is really present in Punch Drunk's work, without a doubt. And we've got two, three generations now for whom gaming is a major form of entertainment. It's gotten broader and broader. So it's not just about boys playing shooters or, you know, Donkey Kong. It, you know, I mean, that just saying that sentence, I feel ridiculous. Because, <laughs> like, I'm sitting here going, like, of course it's not. There's this whole universe. And, like, some of the earliest conversations about immersive that I had with folks, we were talking about games like Gone Home, which is like an indie game that you know, it's using kind of a first-person shooter type engine, but it's a house exploration game. It feels like a haunted house, but it's just really, it's a drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a memory play in video game form that, that's got the tone of an X-Files, but is in no way, spoiler, in no way supernatural. Uh, and it's completely excellent for that. Um, so much of that and then you get this feedback loop where the people who work on that game go to something like Sleep No More and it inspires them to do even more in their next game and mm-hmm. like and, and get this sort of virtuous circle going on. So I think that there isn't even a question as to whether or not it's time. It's like it's it's happened. Mm-hmm. Like like we're pa- everyone who's trying to sell people the old stuff and wondering why why won't you take my shitty comedy and mm-hmm. like run with it. It's like, well, because People don't want your shitty comedy anymore. They want, they want to. They don't necessarily want to have agency in the sense of they don't want to be able to control the story. They want the illusion of control, which is where the magic thing gets interesting. It's like they want to feel like they're the ones who picked the card. They don't want to know there was a force. 
they didn't they don't want to know that they were that their choices were winnowed down and everything's a setup they want to feel like they were in control and have a wonderful experience because if they were given full control they're going to probably have a crappy experience right <laughs> and this is some of the problems with some of the form is like when they dump you out into something like sleep no more if you don't learn how to read the lay of the land you'll get stuck on a floor for an hour going like oh, where is everybody right yeah, that might have been me it might have been me. It might have been all of us. But we have the patience, right? Like, we, we stick with it. So, but I'll get out there in the world, right? I'll, I'll see different folks at shows. Some people, some people really want story. They really, really want story. Uh, they want story, and yet at the same time, they want, they do want control, right? Like, they think of it as like, oh, I'm going to make something happen. I've heard people say that. It's like, I got frustrated at Sleep No More, you know, like, nothing's happening, so, like, I forced an interaction. Right, mm. which sleep and word. That's really it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't want you to do that necessarily. Right. Right. But other shows do want to give you control. So the thing I went to last night was the one on one. Like we, you know, to explicitly told to you know that you know to respond, and that any way you respond is like okay. And you know, in some ways, it's it's a uh, the scenario is sort of you got to hold this like dual thing in your mind because the actor was naked. And the actor is by themselves, and the actor is vulnerable. And you need to have some mental limits on yourself for the spirit of play where you can go in and stay within the bounds of what it is they're actually trying to do and not just be like, oh, this is my chance to do whatever I want to somebody. Because, <laughs> like, no, $17 does not get you that, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not seven minutes in heaven, all right? You know, it is, there's, there's something being conveyed to you here. So, so much of the interaction, from my point of view, uh, is about that sense of presence that I get more of by listening. And so the trick becomes, you know, how do you prime the audience to know what to pick up on, mm. what to listen to, what cues and clues to follow to deepen their sense of presence. Mm. And this is a design issue that we're facing in immersive theater. It's a design issue they're facing in VR. Um, I feel like it's even a design issue, yeah, you, you'd see in, in these larger forms in, in theme parks, right? Like, how do we get the, the guests to hook into the spirit of what we're doing so for that time when they're there, mm -hmm. they're really engaged. Yeah. And they want to come back because there's they know there's something they're they're missing, but not so much that it feels like they didn't get a good value at it. Instead, more like, oh, I think I can go a little deeper next time mm. if I if I let myself go a little more into the spirit of the thing. Mm -hmm. I'll talk to people. Uh, you know, we'll go to say like a solo show, and it'll be like a little more didactic, and they'll be like, oh, I wanted it to be more interactive. But again, you know, this question of, well, what do we mean by interactive? And sometimes it's more like a game. And, and what you guys are doing with the improv stuff, right? It's like we sort of become, we get into mode where like we're, we're slightly entertaining ourselves. We're, we're entertaining each other. We're entertaining like the, the performers. But the performers are also giving back to us. And so there's this, this given back and forth give and take. Um, which, you know, some of the structure what you guys have is like almost like an improv class on wheels, right? But that's not bad because an improv class can be entirely fun. One of the, I think one of the design questions you guys have, you know, overall going forward is like, you know, how do you make it, how do you take these improv class things and like really like obscure that, right? You know, like hide the fact 
that these are like you know improv techniques like how much can you play with the dynamic of like you know it feels seamlessly in in the world of what you're creating without having to kind of like come in and like all right now the structure is like blending those things right totally but the audience what i think is interesting with the audience as a whole is we talk about them uh, sometimes as if it's like, well, how do we get gamers into theatrical spaces? We talk about like, how do we get theater audiences up on their feet? We talk about how do we get people who have no interest in theater into this stuff? And it's great that you know you worked in you know on some of the theme park problems because it's so clear to me that the hunger is there intensely. I mean, and we, in the fiftieth we talked about this like Stu Peters and I like the fact that they raised the annual pass prices in Southern California and it really dissuades no one. Like people people want to feel like they're in a magical space. You know, yeah. people people want to do things with their friends and get out of. I mean, for me, my vacation for all this stuff is I go karaoke with friends and like, you know, and we'll we'll we will do it, you know, Eastern style. It's not like going to like down to the Western bar and like I'm gonna sing over to a bunch of strangers. Like, no, we get the room mm. and like we K-town. just K Town, you know, or, or Japantown, get lit and just go. And we're entertaining ourselves and we create this like it's a temporary autonomous space. It's a Taz. It's look at Burning Man, right? You know, all this it's all connected, man. It's all connected. <laughs> uh, but co-creation. Co-creation. Co-creation yep. and 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 a continuum of it where it's like Hey, you know what? I can I can lean back and like watch this, or I can lean in, right. and it's 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 really like don't don't demand that I that I take up the reins, yeah. But give me the option to, yeah. You know, but also teach me like what's too hard, like you know. Yeah, I'm glad that you cued in on those examples because that's when I think of what we want out of this. It's very much that it's the sense of. Um, like the image that for, that comes to my mind is like waiting in line for a churro at Disneyland and <laughs> strangers are like smiling and talking to each other. Yeah. And they have these go- like really goofy Mickey hats on and there's no, you know, they're completely vulnerable and, com- and completely self-expressed. Yeah. And then the same with Burning Man. Like people are just so incredibly excited to leave work and go to their garage and build their art car. Yeah. Um, it's the sense of uh, self-expression and play. Yeah. And so I think what you've experienced, I mean, I'm so grateful that you came to um, to check it out. What we have is this like minimum viable product version of it yeah. where we're like, we know improv allows people to play and it plays with really healthy rules. It does. R- rules that allow people to actually transcend their own fear and their own sense of survival because everyone is just simply playing with the rule of yes and. Yeah. And it's like you're beating your hardwiring and you're trusting everyone with you. Yeah. It's um, goofy. It, it's a goofy thing that reduces you in a great way back to a, a childlike state of just like, oh, there's no stakes here. You know, like in, in, a, in a given moment, there's all these stakes, but there, there are no stakes here. Right. right. You know, stakes are an illusion. And that's so, it's so freeing. Yes. So free. Yeah. The spontaneity, the freedom that comes with, I mean, just the idea of like, Imagining kids playing on a playground, mm-hmm. like that's what we want, and that's yes. and that's what you have at Burning Man. That's what you have in line at the Churro Cart at Disneyland. Like people are just playing, and um, the other theme is creativity. Mm-hmm. The, the the process, creativity is about process. It's not about a particular outcome, and that's what play is also about. It's right. about having no fear to try different things, 
And through that trial and error, um, you start to discover who you are. Um, you start to foster your own voice. I don't know if you watch Chef's Table on Netflix. I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched them all, but I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They use the medium of, of cooking mm-hmm. um, uh, so that it's super concrete. But what they're really talking about is just their own humanity. Yeah. You know, how, how much they need to get out of them. Um, the quest to just find their voice. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of when we break the fourth wall, that's what we're really excited to get better and better at. How do we get people to invoke like their aliveness and their play, their sense of play? Yeah. Well, I definitely think you're you're playing with the right uh, the right set of tools. Like, and and you definitely, in terms of the, the places, you've picked like really great venues because I know you've you've got Venice running right now. You've messed around with the artists before. I think you like you have Echo Park like in development and. Aside from being places everyone likes to go and having like you know increased density of population, those places have great stories, mm-hmm. um, and that is going to be fun to see you guys develop out uh, the the tours and keep evolving this form uh, in these spaces. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Thank you. No problem. That's what we're trying to do. Awesome. All right, I think we're gonna talk a little. Afterwards, like I was saying, uh, but that's a that's a solid place to stop the show. So we'll stop the show here, and then we'll uh, we'll move into our non-recorded talk. So cool, Chris. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, hey. Um, oftentimes I do this uh, uh, at the end. I'll, I'll 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 jump back in. But like, how do folks find you? This takes now. I don't have to scramble for it later. So like, what's <laughs> the best way to find Mojo Maps Exposition Company? Yeah, the best way is to just check out our website, MojoMaps.com. Or take a look at our Facebook page and have a conversation with us. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Check them out, guys. Uh, particularly if you are, uh, if you don't get down to the west side and you want an excuse, right now Venice Land is running. It's fantastic. If you don't know about how it came to be, it's really a fun way to learn about it. Uh, if you do know about how it came to be, it's still a lot of fun. You'll get to do a few things that you uh, probably won't normally do. And if you're coming in from out of town, oh yeah, like it's it's a it's a great way to spend the afternoon. All right, that's that. Once again, want to thank Chris Eng of Mojo Maps Expedition Company for coming on the show today. Hey, if you want to catch up with Mojo Maps, you can by checking out MojoMaps.com. They also have Facebook slash mojo maps instagram mojo maps they're really put together really well you also find them on yelp if you want to get other reviews from them just type in what do you type in you type in mojo maps um they're creating more experiences they are moving in and doing some other neighborhoods soon and you know keep an eye out for all of that um hey other things uh, that you should know about. Again, thanks to Drafty. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, thanks for being there and backing us up. Uh, we're going to keep on doing this for a while. So um, I'll try and write some new ad copy soon so you guys don't get bored. So I'm always saying the same thing all the time. Uh, but we really thank Drafty, drafty-app.com uh, for being our, our, our backstop. We also want to thank all of our Patreon backers for being the heart and soul of this we would not exist without you and indeed if you guys stopped we'd probably stop the show even if we had sponsorship because i want to know that you're that uh you got skin in the game that you care enough when you care enough to make me do this every week of my life no i love doing it um i really do that's honest i try and keep it real and i do sometimes a little too real sometimes i keep it 110 oh what 
What? Has anyone gone there yet? I don't know. Was I the, that couldn't have been the first. Someone else has to have done that. Maybe I heard it somewhere. Anyway, you don't care about that. You care about how you can find more cool, immersive, and interactive shows. Well, if you are somehow listening to this without being on the newsletter, go to nopersinium.com and sign up for one of our tasty, free, bi-weekly, once-monthly newsletters. We got them in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Chicago. We do a West Coast one when I can be bothered to. No, we do it every month. I'm just usually late with it. Um, what else is going on uh, there for that? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, at no Persinium. You can find me at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter if you really want to. I don't know why you'd want to do that. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash no Persinium. You can read the reviews we do of shows at medium.com slash no dash Persinium. You can support, you can become one of those Patreon backers who make the world of difference to us. They give me a reason to live. Uh, patreon.com slash no Persinium. I try and make this easy on us by limiting the number of dashes and underscores there are. And email us, no underscore proscenium at outlook.com if you have intelligence on a show, a performance that we should be checking out. I, I really seriously encourage you to do that uh, because the only way we find out about cool stuff is if you tell us about cool stuff. Because there's, there, there's only so many ways you can type the word immersive and its derivatives into a search engine uh, and even if you do all of that, you still will not find the best stuff. Why? Because Google sucks. And then brown paper tickets really sucks. Everything sucks. Because it takes so long to put these newsletters together. Um, hey, uh, what else is going on? Program note, uh, we have a show next week. We're recording another show, so we definitely have a show for the week after that. I'm going for work to a certain very large political event uh, in uh, Cleveland, covering it in my day job as a journalist for work. Uh, so we may miss an episode next month. Don't want to, but it may just happen. Am trying to program stuff in. Hopefully Zay's got some stuff going on too, so we will have a gap week covered. But even then, I'm going to be really wrapped up in production. So there's a very good chance that during the week of that convention, we won't have anything. But the week following, I'll be back in Los Angeles and can get things out the door. Uh, but just want to give you a heads up on that ahead of time. We are stockpiling as best we can. And it's summer. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening. There's even more exciting stuff happening that I'm not allowed to tell anybody about yet. I hate that. But there's there's fun on the horizon. There's good work on the horizon. And hopefully, schedule permitting, you and I will be in the same place at the same time at one of these events. And when that happens, I'll see you at the show.